Welcome to the Monday Morning Message, a podcast of Grace Community Church in Delaware. My name is Paul Shirley, and I'm the pastor of Grace Church. And on the Monday Morning Message, we try to address some of the biblical implications and life issues that maybe we didn't have the opportunity to touch on in our Sunday morning worship together. This week, as we think about some practical implications of living as Christians in this world and dealing with the life issues that come with that, I want to discuss with you just a little bit about the importance of evangelism. We are, as we've been studying in Galatians chapter 4 in our church, the sons and daughters of God. We've been brought into the household of God, and yet even as full and free members of God's household, we also need to keep in mind that all around us are those who have been alienated from the life of God and the family of God. There are many around us in the world, in our neighborhoods, our workplaces, even in our family, who do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And it's so important for us as believers to not only be present, but also to be active in sharing the gospel with those around us. And this point was brought home to me this past week when I had the opportunity to officiate and preach at a funeral of a young child in our neighborhood whose life was tragically ended early due to an accident. Of course, this hit our neighborhood pretty hard for those who knew the family and knew this little boy who died so tragically. And as a friend in the neighborhood and as the only pastor that uh, this family was connected with, I was asked to do the message. And as I thought about what do you say and what do you even think when you face a tragedy like this, I was brought back to the truth that Christ is our only comfort. Christ is the only hope of comfort that we have. I remember in John, in his gospel, in John chapter 14, verse 1, Right after Jesus is interacting with his disciples, he says, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. In other words, Jesus was equating himself with God. And as believers, we have the hope of knowing Jesus and knowing that he is God, and he's got the power to fulfill his promises. And of course, one of the promises that he has made for us is the promise of eternal life. And if we believe in him, we will be saved. We can find comfort in this promise, and we can find comfort in the fact that Jesus followed through on this promise. In fact, later in John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's equal with the Father. He promises us eternity with the Father. And then he delivered on that promise through his work on the cross. This is our comfort. I love the way the Heidelberg Catechism describes it. There in question one of the Heidelberg Catechism, it says, what is our only comfort in life and death? And the answer is that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has paid for all my sins with his precious blood, and he has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. 
as I thought about the death of this young man in my neighborhood this week, I found great comfort in those words and even great comfort in the reality that this young boy was safe in the arms of his Savior. But also, I was struck with the reality that there were so many people all around me in my own neighborhood who did not have that same comfort. And I was reminded afresh of the need for evangelism. We as believers need to be faithful to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is our mandate. Great Commission of Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We have a mandate, we have a requirement, we have a command from our Lord to spread the good news of the gospel. And it's not just a command, it's an opportunity for us to be a part of this great work of salvation that Christ is doing throughout the world. All of us should desire to be evangelists, and all of us should be desirous of being more effective in our evangelism. And to that end, it's probably just helpful for us to think about evangelism for a minute and consider whether or not we can improve in our own methods and in our own practices. I think in that regard, it's helpful for us to think about what evangelism is not. For instance, evangelism is not being a good influence or example to the people around you. That's that's helpful. That's good. It can lead to evangelism as people see the hope that is within you, and they begin to ask you questions about it. So yeah, that can lead to evangelism, but just kind of being a good moral person in front of unbelievers is not evangelism. Evangelism is also not talking with someone about church or inviting them to church. Now, that again can lead to evangelism, and it's good for people to hear the word so that they might come under conviction of their sins and believe in Christ. Uh, That's a great thing. I'm not saying don't invite people to church. However, just because you invited somebody to church does not mean that you have done the work of evangelism. A person may not know the good news of the gospel just because they were invited to church. So inviting someone to church is not, by definition, evangelism. So too, we can add to this list that evangelism is not developing a friendship with an unbeliever. It's good to have Uh, friendships with unbelievers that lead to spiritual opportunities. As believers in this world, we're not to isolate ourselves from those around us. God providentially brings individuals into our life, and we have a responsibility to love them all. And so as we have the opportunity to influence unbelievers, uh, this leads to the opportunity for us to evangelize them for sure. But merely developing a friendship or an acquaintance with an unbeliever is not evangelism. So two, evangelism is not merely telling someone that they are wrong and going to hell. Now, if you do not believe in Christ Jesus and repent of your sins, then what awaits you is eternal hell, eternal punishment from God. The wages of sin is death. That is absolutely true, and it may be important to tell someone that so that they will not be deceived. Hebrews chapter 9 says it's appointed once for a man to die, then comes judgment. So we want people to be ready for that judgment, of course. However, evangelizing someone requires getting to the good news, not just the bad news, the good news. And that means 
that we tell them that there is hope of deliverance from hell through the forgiveness of sins by faith in Christ Jesus. So just telling somebody that they're wrong or their worldview or their political views are wrong and unbiblical, that's not evangelism necessarily unless you get to the hope of Christ. I think also I would add to this list that evangelism is not a particular method of engaging with people. There are all different kinds of methods that people have developed, different ways people evangelize. Some people like to use tracks. Some people have used these bracelets. Some people have used this methodology. Some people say you got to go street preaching. Some people say you got to knock on people's doors. There, there are all types of methods and ways in which you can evangelize someone. And I would just encourage you to remember that none of these methods have a corner on the market. Method is not by definition evangelism. So just because somebody doesn't do it your way doesn't necessarily mean they're not doing evangelism. Say, what does make evangelism evangelism? Well, what makes evangelism good news, that's where the word evangel comes from, good news. What makes evangelism good news is the message. It's the message of Christ. I think Colossians 1, 28 and 29 It's a pretty good synopsis of what it means to evangelize and make disciples. It says, him we proclaim, that's Christ, Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And really as believers, that verse should be not only a model for us, but an encouragement to us. It's a model for us because it shows us that Evangelism is proclaiming Christ to individuals. It means that we warn them of error, but also teach them in truth with all wisdom, and that the goal is not merely to get a decision out out of them. The goal is that they might submit their lives to Christ and grow in maturity, to make a mature disciple. That's what we are after. That's the model. Of course, the encouragement comes when Paul says, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy. Where's the energy come from? Christ. He's the one who empowers it because he powerfully works within us. Whenever we are engaged in the work of evangelism, we can trust that the Spirit of Christ within us is at work to energize and powerfully use our efforts. So when we do evangelism, we proclaim the good news about Christ. Him we proclaim. We explain the truth about salvation, teaching everyone. We persuade them of the need to repent. We warn them all. And then also we understand that we must discipline ourselves and work hard by God's grace in order to to accomplish these things. Because as Paul said, we must toil. That's what evangelism is going to look like. And This is something that we should be motivated to do out of obedience to God. He's commanded it. It should also be something that we desire to do out of worship for God. As believers, it should grate at us, it should gnaw at us that there are places where God isn't worshipped. It should gnaw at us that he is not glorified the way he should be. And at the same time, it should motivate us that he will be glorified when sinners are saved. We want to do evangelism so that God will be glorified. And to this, we should be motivated to evangelism also 
with the understanding that the lost need to be saved. We should have a love for the lost. We must desire to see souls converted to Christ. And in the process, there should be a great joy on our part in being useful in such a great work. It's a joyful thing to be used as a messenger for God's message. That's what we should be striving after. I think a lot of people certainly agree with that, but also a lot of believers have a difficulty in knowing, okay, how do I make that happen? I'm motivated to do it, but what does that look like? Well, I think there's some preparation that goes into evangelism that you can do that will help you along the way. For starters, know the truth. Know the gospel and learn how to make connections between the truth of God and everyday life. That'll make it easier for you to get the gospel into conversations with unbelievers. Additionally, prepare for evangelism by praying for conversions. Pray that God would not only give opportunities, open doors, so to speak, but also that God would convert sinners and use you to do it. And then, as you prepare, make sure that you boldly trust God. Cultivate the kind of bold faith in all areas of life that will resist the fear of man. And as you pray that prayer, you'll also need to humbly prepare to accept the cost. Be willing to pay the price for evangelism, whether that might be embarrassment or harassment, whatever it might be. Just know that your Lord will protect your soul in all of these things. And then, as you prepare for evangelism, be ready. Don't be caught off guard with gospel opportunities. Be ready with an answer. Be ready with a response. I like to, whenever I travel, make sure that in my bag I always keep some gospel tracts. I don't always hand them out, even when I evangelize somebody, but I always want to be ready, be prepared. And as I'm praying for these things, it's amazing how often the Lord provides the opportunity for me to tell somebody about Christ. And that's why we all need to be preparing for it, because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, and we want to be workers for all those lost people out there who need the gospel. You say, okay, well, that's how you prepare to do it, but how do you actually do it? What are some strategies that we can employ to be better evangelists? Well, I think one area in which we can strategically do the work of evangelism is in the area of Christian hospitality. Show hospitality to your unbelieving neighbors and friends. Show them kindness. Show them love. Welcome them into your life. Don't let them influence your life, but let them come and see your life, and that will lead to opportunities. That's part of the way that I got invited to preach at this funeral where folks from our neighborhood were all attending. It's simply because we lived our life there in the neighborhood and knew the people in the neighborhood. So Try to show Christian hospitality. Additionally, you should strive in your life to have what I call a patterned availability. You've got to be structured in your life, but you also need to build in opportunities in your life to interact with other people. Use your front yard so people see you out front. Ditch the headphones when you're working out at the gym, at least after the pandemic's over and you're allowed to go back to the gym. Uh, do things that are going to demonstrate that you're available to those around you, that there's an opportunity for people to interact with you. 
Go to the grocery store and get in the same line every time. Take an extra couple seconds to meet the person checking you out, whatever that might be. Have what I call a pattern availability where people can see you and see into your life. Additionally, a great strategy for evangelism is what I call a gospel hopefulness. Peter says that we're always to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us. Well, if we're living like a bunch of sad sack of Eeyore Christians, nobody's ever going to ask, hey, what's going on with your life? I want what you want. If unbelievers around us hear us grousing and complaining all the time about how bad the world is, how bad the government is, how, how awful the uh, media is, and all these other things, then why would they think our lives are any different than theirs, and why would they want anything that we have? Through your gospel hope, you need to make your life compelling. Make them ask you about your life so you can give an answer about the hope that is within you. And then to this, another kind of practical strategy for evangelism that I would encourage you with is what I call sanctified speech. Talk like a Christian. You know, for years I was told kind of growing up, look, you got you to get rid of the Christianese so that unbelievers will understand you. Don't say things that, like you would in church. Talk differently around unbelievers so that you don't make them feel uncomfortable. I think that's about the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I've heard a lot of dumb things. We're supposed to hide the way we would talk in church from unbelievers. I, I think that's just a great way to exclude them from the truth. You know, if you're at church and somebody asks how you're doing, you just, oh, boy, the Lord's certainly blessing me. Then you go to work and somebody asks how you're doing and you say something like, oh, I'm just lucky to be alive. Well, how about you tell your coworker, well, the Lord's blessing me. They want to ask you then, what do you mean the Lord's blessing? You've got an opportunity now to talk to them about the Lord. I can't tell you how many people ask, well, how are you getting through this pandemic or, or how are you doing this? And, and I've told a number of people that I don't know whether they know the Lord or not. I'm just trying to trust Jesus and I'm spending a lot more time praying. How are you handling it? And that's led to fruitful conversations. It's also led to some strange looks and some individuals who quickly end the conversation with me to get out of there. But it's not bad to talk like a Christian if you are a Christian. Your speaking about the Lord in everyday ways can be a great gospel tool to tell people about Christ. And of course, we go on and on and on in ways in which we can engage people in evangelism. But this past week in my own life, I was just reminded of the reality of death, the need for comfort, and the mandate for evangelism that we as believers carry with us at all times, which is why we need to constantly be thinking about ways in which we can shine the light of the gospel into this dark and lost world.